Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. So let's jump in to the updates for this week. There aren't that many, to be honest, that you're going to be interested in. The only thing I can think of that you're going to be interested in is, well, I've just been, I, I will say this, I, I've just been really happy with the level of communication that I've been seeing from the people on our courses so far, or our course, should I say. Um, it's just been the, the, the comments and the stories, uh, the, the general user-generated content that we're seeing, considering we only, at the moment, we still only have, you know, a few hundred uh, people on the course. It's amazing to see how much communication we've got. And obviously it's like the Pareto principle, right? Like 80-20 rule, you always get a very small amount of people doing most of the communication. But still, the communication, the level of quality there is just is just great. Like, if anyone's, there's, I mean, me and Phil made the course, right? So there's no one that's more mad about it than we are. We're the biggest nerds about this whole thing, you know, whether it's making characters or learning how to read or whatever it is, mainly the character stuff, the hands and movie method. And like, you, would, you, you guys listening have no idea how, well, you probably got some idea, but it's just so entertaining for us just to read this stuff. And you guys are just better than us. <laughs> like you guys are just, I've just noticed that some people are so good at this method that it puts us to shame. And I'm thinking, you know, back when we used to do it, I mean, I'm thinking it's amazing. I got, like this is just with a, a few hundred people. Now imagine down the line, six months down the line, a year down the line when we've got thousands of people, at least that's our goal with our current marketing efforts. Imagine the level of user-generated content. I mean, by the time we actually transform this thing into an app, uh, we're gonna gather up all this new information and we're gonna make so many cool tweaks to the course and that it's gonna be way better than it is now. And a lot of people are saying it's really good now. And I'm just really excited about that. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. But in terms of other stuff, I mean, Phil's back. Phil's fine. He's actually just got back this morning, and that means that we're going to really hit it hard on the character expansion. We are going to expand this course. Um, it's becoming a number one priority now because, you know, it's been a while. It's been out since January and uh, goes up to 600 characters. And there's there's a lot of people that are approaching the end. I mean, it's not just characters, of course. It's also there's tons of uh, reading material and listening material. But we still wanted to make a point of expanding it, and we did say we're going to do that. Uh, a couple of months back and it's now priority and me and Phil are both here on the same time zone and we can get on each other's backs about it so that's something that we're doing uh other stuff I mean I'm sure there's loads of stuff going on but I mean I'm just trying to think what what would you be interested in I mean uh I'm married now I'm officially married we went and signed the papers and I've got to say it is way easier to get married in China than it is to open a bank account <laughs> it's like way easier um but we did the whole like little ceremony at her her uh, parents house in her native sort of village of uh, Huangzhong in Tangzhou and this is a place with like 1500 people so people when Chinese people usually say oh I come from a small town or a small village you find out later that that village has actually got way more people in it than your city that you're from. I'm from a city in England called Aylesbury, which, well, at least I, was, grew up, I grew up there. And there's like barely 100,000 people. We call that a city. And usually Chinese people say, yeah, I'm from a village. And it's got like half a million people in it, right? But this place is actually a tiny village. It's like 1,500 people. Uh, 
And so, you know, I, I did a little speech in Chinese, which I got to say, I was very disappointed with my efforts about, I mean, I didn't have a chance to practice it. I was just practicing in my head using a memory palace technique, actually, uh, the journey method, which you guys should look up if you're interested. And I did it well, you know, I, did, I, I remembered all the points, but I, I didn't have a chance to get away from my wife at any point to actually practice it out loud. So it was all just going through this whilst we were out doing stuff during the day, just going through this mental, this memory palace over and over again. And, uh, you know, I didn't take into account the fact that I'm going to have her entire family. It was like, well, most of her family. So like 30 people in one small room, all looking at me in silence and half of them pointing phones in my face. So I can't even see it. So I might upload the speech at some point. I probably won't because it's very short and it uh, doesn't make me look that good. <laughs> it just goes to show I was talking with, who was it, a recent case study? Who are we doing? Um, I think it was William Edmides recently. And I was just saying that, you know, there's more than your Mandarin skill coming to, comes into account into, in, to factor into how well you can speak in certain situations. You know, there's a lot of situational stress that can affect you and you know your body's health and your where, what time of day it is and what you've eaten, what you've drank and all that stuff. So I went from like, oh, and also this is a cool little thing. I've known. So that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's one big thing. You know, it's really cool to, you know, to say that I'm actually married now, which is nice. Um, what else is it? Yeah, I, I've, I've started, I've been dreaming in Chinese for a long time because um, I do so much listening um, actually not, I've actually been a bit lax on the listening lately, but I, I still every now and then I, I stick in a podcast that I like, like Bear Talk is a cool one. Bear Talk, that's a really good one. Anyway, um, I dream a lot in Chinese, you know, and then that's a good sign and you'll start to dream if you listen enough in Chinese. But because of the amount of Chinese I spoke whilst I was at my wife's um, small town, just, all, just, and it's all Beijing as well, it's like very northern. I wasn't just, I was actually speaking Chinese in my sleep. And I wasn't just speaking Chinese in my sleep, I was speaking Chinese with a heavy Beijing accent. So I was just sort of like, I didn't know what I was saying, but I just, I, I was like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't speaking Chinese in my sleep. Like, I don't even know I spoke in my Chinese. I don't even know I spoke in my sleep in English, let alone. So that was hilarious. So that's something you guys got to look forward to if you practice speaking enough and listening enough. That's where <laughs> apparently you'll eventually be. Um, yeah, so that's about it, really. Let's uh, let's jump into uh, <laughs> let's jump into the updates for today. So first in the prop section, we've got pick a prop from uh, Ryan Smith for tsl, which means this. But it's a very strange-looking character. Let's see what he did with it. Based off the appearance, I went with a bundle of inoki mushrooms with the actual size accentuated. Very nice. Uh, William Edmides on pick a prop for war, which is a very abstract one, means I. So I have to pick, think of a, a physical object or person or animal that represents that. Gru, or one of the minions from the movie Despicable Me. Yeah, he's also very selfish as well. He's a bad guy and kind of a bad guy, you know what I mean? So that's good. Pick a prop for Da, Tom Hanks in the movie Big. That's an awesome one. Yeah, and it's one of those that is a degree of separation, right? So it's not like, he's not like a giant. That would be a literal physical representation of the appearance, uh, sorry, the, the meaning of the character. And it's not like, I don't know, a starfish or something that looks kind of like what it what the actual character looks like. It's kind of a 
it's, it's one degree of separation, which is absolutely fine because it's so it's so close to that meaning. Uh, Michael Horn on pick a prop for zi, meaning self. My character puts a drop in his eye, and his mirror image morphs into the Vincent Van Gogh self portrait. That seems more like a movie. That shouldn't be in the prop section, but that's fine. That's still a great movie for that. And then you can use the Van the Van Gogh or a representation of Van Gogh in in a movie that he's been like Willem Dafoe is in a recent movie with him, uh, representing uh, playing Vincent Van Gogh or Goff. I don't know. How you say it. I'm not cultured, but you could then use that portrait itself. <clears throat> it's 2D, so maybe not great, but it's such an iconic self-portrait that I think it'd be fine as the actual prop in other movies. The next few here are from Will Henry, and the first one is an interesting one. It's the picker prop for a rather rare character called Man, and it's mainly a prop used in other characters. It's, it's very rarely used as a character in itself. The only times it's really used that I can remember is in transcribing foreign names or English English place names. And the most common one that we recommend or that the, the most uh, sort of one that stands out to us is its usage in Manhattan or Manhattan. That's how I believe that's how you say it. I haven't actually looked that up in a while. Um, so we just decided, OK, to learn this as a character, just imagine the keyword of Manhattan and that should work because it's a very sort of uh, iconic city or area. So as a prop, we suggest there's a couple of things. You can base it on the appearance, and it kind of looks like a person in a straight jacket, or at least it did to us. And so you can just imagine either just a straight jacket on your actor or an actual separate mental person. Um, and another one is in, imagine the Empire State Building, obviously a miniature version, in, which is a representation of Manhattan. But Will Henry has gone for a really big apple. New York, Big Apple. Very good. Again, it's another degree of separation, but works for me. Uh, prop for win, uh, which sort of it means literature or culture. So to pick a prop for that, Will's gone with Anthony, Anthony Bourdain because he experienced so many cultures. That works well. The prop for fool, as in father. Nice. Darth Vader. I don't need to explain that one. Or at least I shouldn't. Uh, Will Henry on pick a prop for year, meaning month or moon. It says if you squint a bit, plus he's gone for a different way. So if you squint a bit, it looks like a snowshoe or a sled that's standing upright. I'm going to give my actor a pair of snowshoes. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Really good. Uh, William Edmides on pick a prop for Lee, which kind of means power. It's gone for Goku from uh, Dragon Ball Z. Brilliant. And pick a prop for Ling, which comes, I believe, straight after that character. Ling means another. Uh, DJ, <laughs> DJ Khaled, Khaled, because he always says another one in his songs. Or even Naruto, because it looks like how he runs on the anime. Right, so he's got a, an appearance one and a meaning one. Very good. That's going to be really helpful to others. Uh, pick a prop for Yun, which is cloud. Uh, giant vape pen. People often make clouds with those. That's true. Next one is Chad Wrestler on pick a prop for Yo. And uh, he's gone for Chinese flower pot drum. If you just do a Google search of that, you'll realize that that's a perfect choice uh, in terms of representing the appearance of this prop. Brilliant. And another one for William. Pick a prop for Qi. 
which uh, it means it works like it's in Qiguai. It kind of means miraculous or strange or or um, or weird. So he's gone for uh, who other than Jesus Christ to perform miracles. That's who I'm going with. Jesus Christ himself as that particular prop, and that's brilliant. Um, obviously, he's a very unique person, and also he's got. He's got these powers, kind of, <laughs> that you can sort of use and implement in, in the stories, which are always fun to do. The next one is from Ija Amrahi on Pick a Prop for Yuan, uh, which means beginning. It's, uh, it's used, well, it also means uh, Yuan, it's like a unit of currency uh, for the Chinese currency, renminbi or Yuan. I guess you could say, well, it's any currency, really. It's in Mei Yuan, means uh, dollar as well. But um, it's used in Gong Yuan which means um, AD, basically. It means like the current era, the beginning of the current era that we're in, um, from the birth of Jesus Christ, actually. And Gongyuan uh, Qian, like before Gongyuan would be BC, right? So Ija says, I picked Anakin Skywalker from the Star Wars Episode One because its tagline was, every saga has a beginning. And because the next few characters have Yoda in it, of course. Uh, which is a really nice connection there. Other choices that she suggests, she always suggests some extra stuff, which is really nice of her. An egg, uh, the seed from Wally, that little uh, seedling, rather, and a positive, a positive pregnancy test. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, next one is for actors. So we're going to get into the actors now. What have people chosen? We've only got a couple this week, so we'll just quickly cover those. Uh, William Edmedes again on casting call for B.I. So that'll be a female actor that we suggest that you choose. I think Brie Larson would be a, another good one. Definitely a more memorable figure after she played Captain Marvel. Yeah, and she can pretty much do anything. <laughs> so as far as I remember, I haven't just seen the movie. I, I, I don't really care to. But uh, she seems uh, very... Uh, completely overpowered you can just do everything so that's going to be very good to have in there uh, Aaron Amato on casting call for Zhu which would be a fictional uh, actor or character rather Juliet so I assume when you say Juliet you mean Juliet from Romeo and Juliet and you could choose any version of that you like very good all right now it's going to go straight on to movies what have people come up with this is kind of my favorite bit um, what have people come up with in terms of movies this week? So the first one's from uh, Will Henry on make a movie for Xi, as in West. He says, a fearsome Rolling Stones mouth, that would be the square part of the character, is in front of my yard, that would be the first tone, with two legs dangling out of its mouth, that would be the two sort of leg components you can see there, or it's actually one component, but you see what I mean. Shakira, she'd be the uh, C uh, com uh, initial, and I are standing our ground, and she is brandishing a giant razor blade. That'd be the top bit. It's clearly just chowed down on someone, and we are next on the menu. Just as mouth, as the mouth advances towards us, Shakira slashes the lips in two, and out falls Kanye West. Kanye West. Kanye. Oh, Kanye West. Very nice, William. Will uh, this hungry mouth with legs hanging out of its lips? and Shakira both make appearances earlier in the method with the character Xiong. Very good. So this connection makes the scene especially memorable. And I talked about that last time I did the podcast, I believe, which is scenes 
naturally because of the way we've done the character order with similar components and props and, and actors they'll naturally feed into each other and you'll end up just naturally making series that connect to each other which are quite cool the last scene took place at my hometown gym and I can I can picture the man-eating mouth following us all the way to my front yard yeah and he's added a little edit here at the end Kanye West also makes a great prop for see yes so if you use a, an object or a person to represent the keyword component, often, very often, that can just be used as a prop as well. And you, th you might think that makes a certain conflict in places. It doesn't really. It's, it's actually no problem whatsoever. Okay, Will Henry for Tui. He says, for me, this isn't actually a movie, right? This is just a suggestion. So this is, for me, th this made sense mo uh, using the Dan, uh, Dan, Dan, no, sorry, fourth tone, yeah, Dan Radical. Um, and that's fine, you know, we, we give you combinations of props that we suggest, like, I, I believe for this one, we choose the little sun and chu, meaning to uh, sort of take or grab, chu. Um, and that's legitimate as well, but uh, you can go, for, yeah, if you see other combinations and uh, you see different dividing lines, that's the magic of this method or one of the cool bits about it is that it's the there's no very rigid rules about it you can and you will discover this as we go through more comments in today's uh podcast so yeah go for it will absolutely mate um make a movie for that big which is well let's see what it's made up for for william edmedes it's a quite a simple character but i thought i might share my scene anyway yes please do and again this is even if it doesn't help you personally that much it's going to really help people that are new to the method sometimes some people d daniel radcliffe is the d actor is in my uh, a set backyard and he noticed that it's starting to rain he quickly picks up a nearby umbrella which is the sort of the zen component because that's what it looks like and is frantically trying to open it but can't figure out how so he grabs a conveniently nearby giant razor blade cuts into the umbrella a bit breaking the locking me mechanism causing it to open up or become bigger and you can even exaggerate that that it doesn't just open up it actually does become bigger you know maybe he accidentally uses some magic or something bring in the fact that he's harry potter into that but awesome well yeah technically that would be a fictional actor so it would be going against our rules a little bit there but yeah whatever it's all good the next one here is William Edmedes on Make a Movie for Chen, which means a dog. It's a very formal way of saying dog. It's usually very written. Um, uh, yeah, so this is for QU, right? So QU will be the queen for William. And she's hanging out in the living room of his AN set when suddenly Pitbull, the rapper, struts in singing one of his iconic songs. However, halfway through the song, he coughs up an eyedropper, which is the little drop, and quickly turns back into Clifford the Big Red Dog. That's good. You've sort of, got, you've sort of done it backwards, haven't you? You've sort of started off with the keyword, which you've used Pitbull the Rapper, because Tren means dog, so you've chosen Pitbull the Rapper to represent that, and then you've worked your way backwards, like puking up the, the, um, the eyedropper and then turning into Clifford the Big Red Dog, which is the da component that's awesome you know it still works of course but it's just an interesting way to approach it that's all great uh the next one make a movie for chu 
which is what I said earlier for like grab or take. Yeah, take is probably the best best sort of translation. Uh, he's replying to Ija Amrahi. I like the idea of a character asking the other, lend them their ear, because this, this character has an ear prop in it and it would be used to make the character movie, movie scene. I borrowed this idea in my scene with Trump, who is QU, or he's written QV, which is how you type that sound, asking Robin of Batman to withdraw money from his bank account to give him a loan. All right, brilliant. So yeah, again, de degrees of separation can occur not just when choosing props, but also when uh, thinking of a representation for the keyword. And this is a good example of that. Uh, make a movie for, well, this, this has like a ton of different pronunciations. Let's see what pronunciation he's gone with, um, or we've gone with rather. I've got my ZH actor on the roof of my E set. Yeah, so he, he's got J, and it's J, it would be, um, this is like, you'd put this on the end of a, on the end of a verb to mean it's continuous, it's happening. And it's a fifth tone. So yeah, the fifth tone for us is the roof. And uh, he's on the roof, so uh, ZH actor is on the roof of his E set watching TV uh, when suddenly a breaking news report comes on with the new newscaster reporting live from a helicopter detailing a high speed chase of Sean the Sheep, and Wallace and Gromit, well done, and riding a giant eyeball. And you can even have like a helicopter view of little Sean the Sheep running away on that um, eyeball. And that'd be more than enough to do that, uh, to get the job done there. That's really, really good idea, very creative. Uh, next, we have uh, Gregory uh, Patura. I'm not sure how to say that. Sorry, Gregory. Uh, Chuck Norris. So this is for the Mega Movie for Shen, which is, uh, I guess, one of the first really abstract uh, characters that we give you. Um, so it's the man, man component next on, on the left, which we chose as Chuck Norris, because I mean, who else better to represent man? Um, and a crucifix uh, to represent the cross. Okay, so Chuck Norris is dead, I guess, being crucified or he's like dead on the crucifix or whatever it is, he's dead and it just equals what? And that doesn't make sense much just looking at it, but if you look into it, you, uh, yeah, so I, I can tell you that, yeah, so he says basically, that's what comes to my mind immediately, like Chuck Norris dead, that's not possible, you know, he's because you know, of all the memes about him and stuff. He doesn't die, he's, in, he's invincible. He swims through roads. He walks on water, right? And he says, I don't, I know, and, and Gregory says, I know I don't really follow the rules. No, Gregory, that's absolutely fine. And certain tweaks like that or bending the rules, if you like, are absolutely fine. As long as he gets the job done for the most part. Like for, the, for example, this one, the idea of what, it's like, who's reacting to that? You are, right? So you could have yourself as a third person or another, another actor, a copy of Chuck Norris or a copy of, um, whoever you're or you could use your sh actor there who's like saying what how could how could chuck norris be dead is chuck norris that would work absolutely fine make a movie for lee as in power all right so we got i've got my grandma because lola was a name suggestion but lola is also filipino for grandma so i went with that very nice with her evil twin in my childhood backyard. The props I use are samurai sword and pincers. Yes, excellent. My grandma and her evil twin are about to have a grand battle in my backyard. She's wearing a samurai sword, 
and her twin a giant set of pincers. So I'm just going to stop here for a second. Why is she? Why has the grandma got a twin? Well, I believe what William's doing here is using one of our suggested techniques that we, I think we came up with actually. I don't think we saw this from anywhere else. Was a, if you want an extra pair of hands to use in your scene, but you don't want to confuse yourself, you know, if you don't have a random person in there, because everyone's got a job to do. They always, everyone represents something specific, or it's an initial, or a prop, or the keyword. So you don't want to just bring in random people. So you bring in, you can, you can actually make copies of your actor and get an extra pair of hands, but it's not going to confuse you as to what is the initial. So, and you can also do the same with uh, what we call extras. So you bring in, so say you had Hulk as one of your actors, you can also bring in the rest of the Avengers to sort of uh, help him out. Anyway, suddenly the battle starts. Both, grandma, both grandmas rush Dragon Ball Z style toward each other, fiercely trading blows with their weapons until the samurai sword gets stuck inside the pincers, which actually is what the character looks like if you check out the show notes. The evil twin sneaks in a smile. She thinks she's won. Grandma then raises her power level to 9,000 and goes Super Saiyan. She then unleashes the iconic Kamehameha wave, which completely annihilates the twin. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to end that scene. <clears throat> and then the very next character, William's also done a, a scene for, which is uh, Ban, as in to, to, to basically do, to sort out, to handle. Uh, uh, to deal with, sorry, There's, that's a specific uh, keyword that we've chosen. So he's got Bear Grylls, that's the B, uh, in the bathroom of his AN set, so it's fourth tone, with the following props. Goku from Dragon Ball Z, he represents the Lee, the Lee character, which we covered earlier, and two eyedroppers. So Bear Grylls has a slight water quality problem in his bathroom and calls his plumber Goku to deal with the problem. Goku promptly arrives holding an eyedropper in each hand. Carefully, Goku runs the sink and drops the first dropper and nods his head with approval, just as I expected. He then uses the eyedropper in his other hand to drop a special chemical to deal with Bear's water issue. Great, getting to the, getting to the, the point fairly quickly and using acting skills, because this is, this is a fairly abstract thing, you know, how do you say deal with? What is deal with? You have to really get to the essence of that. And Bear Grylls, even being Bear Grylls, he can't handle this, he needs Goku to come and deal with it, and he knows exactly what he's doing. He can deal with the problem excellently. And, uh, I think that's the word. Um, well done, yeah, really good. <coughs> Other people can definitely learn from that as well. So this next one, I'm in actually, uh, I'm famous now, I'm in, I'm in people's heads, helping them learn Chinese characters. It's like teacher level 3000. Awesome. Um, make a movie for LOL from Chad Wrestler. LOL is basically a building um, with stories, multiple stories. So uh, location, Joe and Ryan's house. That's in the, his in-laws in the kitchen. Second tone, so I'll be in the kitchen. Actor, me, Luke Neal. Props, Christmas tree, Joe Lin Tai in lingerie. So that if anyone's wondering so the christmas tree is obviously the tree component on the left and we suggest something female like the most beautiful woman you know uh could represent the female component new and sometimes we also suggested where someone wearing lingerie so it could be your actor whether male or female or whoever it is wearing pink lingerie to make that that clear and of course a bowl of rice representing rice so let's see what he does with it 
I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying my time at my in-laws house when I hear a knock at the door. The gentleman introduces himself as Luke Neal with the Mandarin Blueprint, and he's here to show us a revolutionary <laughs> new way to learn Chinese. Meta, very good. Before we can tell him no thanks, thank you very much, he just walks into the kitchen dragging a Christmas tree. Along with him, he has a Chinese pop singer, Jolin Tai, in lingerie, eating a bowl of rice. I said, get the props in there. He tells us how he will now teach us the character for building low. He instructs the Chinese girl to put the bowl of rice on her head and then sets the Christmas tree right by her and says that all these represent props for the character building. And he shows us a picture of it. I, I imagine the picture of the, do you mean a character or the building itself or a building? Before he can go all Billy Mays, uh, I inform him that his partner, Phil, had already taught me the word for method on his sales call, which he did, actually. This was a podcast a good few weeks ago now, a couple of months ago, maybe, where we did this. But I thought the program wouldn't work and that Chinese was too hard. So that that's that's great. And it's an example. I mean, I would like I would like the idea for anyone listening. Obviously, that works for Chad, no problem. But try to make sure you add a real representation of the keyword as, as real 3d as possible um picture i think you're asking me to draw a picture of the building that's fine you know that, that'll that'll pass but just to make sure 3d buildings or 3d things tend to be easier to remember but that's awesome chad and uh you know it's uh, that, it's another example of like calling back to an older scene or having a series of scenes or characters and actors that somehow get to know each other over the over your journey with them you know over your you know hundreds of characters that you're going to learn or thousands eventually so that's uh, it's just great to see uh Ija on make a movie for yuan um i keep you know so that some of these have several meanings and i can't remember the specific keyword that i chose or we chose which I, but yuan is like member basically like a uh yeah member yeah as in a member of a club cool um the mouth was so this is made of mouth and i believe some sort of shell uh, the mouth was chairing a meeting for the exclusive. Oh, that should be xiang sheng, not xian sheng. It should be xiang sheng crosstalk club at the hallway of my anatomy lab when Yoda entered the room. So before we continue, um, xiang sheng are really cool. Uh, it's either with one or two, pe usually two people, but it can also be a guy. Just basically stand-up comedy in China. You might think a stand-up comedy doesn't really exist in China, and it doesn't in the way that we have it. To be honest, not not much. More and more these days, but mainly for the audience of foreigners. Um, in fact, if you look up, uh, everyone knows this famous, uh, incredible Chinese speaker, which Federer will never even come close to his level of skill, which is Da Shan, and he's now his. I believe his current. Uh, vocation is going around China being a stand-up comic, comic in Chinese, of course, and that's just incredible to see. So it's not like a huge thing, but Xiang Sheng is like I think the closest, most famous, most puji, most um, ubiquitous uh, way of showing comedy in in China, of, of comedy in China, and it's it is actually really funny, and you'll get like hardly any any of the jokes, especially starting out. Because it's, it's not just about the language, it's also incredibly cultural. But I will say this, I, I've watched a bit of it, I've watched a bit of Xiang Sheng and I, I, re I really like it, what I understand of it, what I get of it. Um, but Steve Kaufman, one of my sort of uh, people, I, language learners that I admire the most, I guess, the, the maker of lingq.com, link.com, he used Xiang Sheng back in the day to 
get Chinese, get his Chinese up to a good level. And if you listen to him speak Chinese, he speaks with a very Beijing style, a very Beijing uh, way of uh, speaking, but also very natural, very, very nice, very, very good way. Of, he speaks very well, especially considering he speaks 16 other languages. Um, and uh, he used that, that's pretty much exclusively to get good at speaking and it's, it's also a very spoken way of doing it. So look into that, obviously you, you, most people listening to this would be beginners, so you might be a bit early for that, but um, note it down somewhere and look into it in the future and maybe try to start listening to it now, uh, just to have a little try. So anyway, where are we? Uh, the mouth was chairing a meeting for the exclusive Xiangsheng Club at the hallway of my anatomy lab. That'll be her um, set for this, uh, AN set I assume when Yoda entered the room. He wanted to become a member of the club. The mouth scattered seashells on top of the table and said, okay then, as your audition, please perform the seashells tongue twister. Yoda tried. Seashells, <laughs> Ija, this is genius. Uh, seashells, I'm not gonna do a Yoda voice. He says, this is very smart seashells by the seashore she sells <laughs> speak <laughs> speak english properly yoda couldn't become a member of xianxiang club yoda didn't i'm just gonna well done well done that is like that is actually very smart that is like a comedy sketch there and of course, Yoda, by the way, if anyone wondering, he represents the Y-U, the U pronunciation. Fantastic. This is what I mean. You guys are putting us to shame at this point. Next one from Ija is for make a movie for uh, Yo, which means friends in Peng Yo. Uh, she says, Idina Menzel, that would be the E, the Y or Y-I uh, initial, found Hamilton rehearsing his lines in the bedroom of my OU house, that's a set, and begged him to give her a role on his highly successful Broadway show. Sorry, Idina, but we only cast non-whites. Dear, oh dear, we're getting political with this one. Uh, Idina was furious at the blatant racism and Hamilton retaliated the only way he knew. He asked her for a duel. They were, <laughs> there they were on the opposite ends of the room. So still you could hear a pin drop. So still you could hear a pin drop. Hamilton was beginning to draw his gun. That would be the top left component from its holster. Idina said, Alexander. Hamilton said, Idina here. Idina here. I'm not getting this one. Uh, Idina, can we agree that jewels are dumb and immature? Hamilton. That's the way I deal with disagreements around here. Adina, why don't we just be friends and share a beer? Hamilton, I'd love that. Haven't had one in a year. I'm not sure if you were trying to rhyme there, but that's awesome. They left the room as friends. And again, you would show that with them holding each other. That's just awesome. Um, I guess Hamilton represents the, the yo component. I'm not 100% sure on that. But again, this is just, again, this is an actual movie scene. This is wonderful. This is like, high level stuff either keep it up this is like the benchmark that we should all hope to reach one day <laughs> william edmedes on make a movie for e which is this this is one of those uh, in the category of 
toughest keywords. And we talked about this before when Phil and I were doing the podcast together uh, a few weeks back. E means by means of, you know, that's the, that's the level of abstraction where it's like, you need to use acting skills. You need to use some, um, you need to pull some extra stuff out of the bag to, uh, to show that as clearly as possible. But it's always doable and it's actually easy once you figure out how to represent these things. And we, we go through it in detail in the course. How do you represent a character with the meaning of don't or uh, I think there's a character represents that or um, need to need something or to want something or, you know, <clears throat> you have to use emotion. And that's the key. So let's see how William Edmides handled this very difficult character. As Julian already pointed out, by means of is definitely a tough keyword to form a physical representation with. So to make sense of it, I've got my Y actress, Yoko Ono, in the living room of my childhood home with the props hook in the eyedropper and the umbrella, uh, when suddenly the TV turns on and a military style general version of Yoko is displayed and states that her next mission should she choose to accept it is to use the hook and eyedropper to invert the umbrella by any means necessary. I like that and I, I see by the phrase by any means necessary is a, I, I believe that is a relation to some sort of, a, is that Mission Impossible? Or anyway, we've got, got a high level army person giving orders. You must do this by any means necessary, okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, that, I don't think that's, personally, I don't think that's necessary, <laughs> to, so to speak. I don't think it's necessary to have that whole section of the, the, the general uh, advising her. You could just show it on her face that she is looking, like jump straight to that. She needs to forget the backstory. You know, you're not actually writing a real movie here, you know. Um, you can just go straight to the character and be like, okay, she, you can see by the look on her face, she needs to do something with these three things. And she, she doesn't have to make anything. Maybe she's trying to get out of a room or she doesn't even have to be trying to do anything specific. She's just building it in a certain way and like balancing it and she's like, a look of satisfaction on her face will show you that what she, she's trying to do something by using the means of these three objects. You see what I mean? So um, you can just, uh, I mean, maybe that was just instinctive for you to do that and that's fine, but don't make, an, for anyone listening, don't make extra effort to create any sort of backstory or reasoning as to why the actor needs to do these certain things. Just do it, you know? and you'd be very surprised if you trust the like the, the power that emotions and physical facial expressions and ge uh, body gestures have uh, the power that they have over representing meaning well i mean just think of any movie the best scenes of any film have what we call subtext um i, I believe or a subtext or just lots of subtleties to it like for example and uh, the reason why we went for this movie thing i think part of it is because you know, I love movies so much, and uh, I watch I watch pr way too many of them, <laughs> and uh, I love analyzing them and thinking about uh, deeper meanings to them and stuff that even the directors didn't even probably think about. But like uh, one thing, one scene brings uh, bring to mind is um, uh, the scene from True Romance, where you have got Dennis Hopper with um, Christopher Walken. That's one of the best scenes in any film I've ever seen, and the reason why is because there's so many. Later, it's just a certain way that Dennis Hopper looks at him. You know what? You know that he's trying to get him to kill him, or that he's already given up. He's not going to give up his son, and 
the way he looks at his cigarette before he smokes it and stuff like this. You see all these things. Um, and it means that there's like 10 layers to that scene, you know? Uh, anyway, I'm getting, I'm getting off, off track here, but basically trust, trust the emotions and, and, and stuff of your actors and use close-ups if you must to get really get an, an idea of them. And now, if you watch a lot of films, it'll be easier for you to make them portray these emotions. You know, it's not, maybe it's not as easy for everyone as it is for me, but um, yeah, just, a, just a little aside there for, for you guys. So this next movie, we've got, oh, we've got so many good movies this week. It's ridiculous. It's really awesome. It, ridiculous in a good way. Um, where are we? Uh, yeah, Ija Imrahi on Make a Movie for Yun, uh, which basically means mobile. It can also be to transport, something like that. But we chose mobile, or yeah, as a way of doing it. Um, there's a way, there's a red carpet. That would be the sort of Zolu, <laughs> the uh, nigga. Uh, the sort of like uh, walking component underneath. There's a red carpet heading to the bathroom of my first rental house. That's the EN component, uh, EN, EN set. Yoda, again, he's the uh, initial actor, is driving Goku's Cloud Nimbus on top of it like an automobile, holding a mobile phone complete with sunglasses. And she's also added music. They see me rolling, they hate in. Brilliant. <laughs> um, great. So again, <clears throat> Ija does this a lot, and uh, this is a good a good sort of way. When you've got again more abstract but also difficult to convey, you show the meaning of the character in a few ways. You know, not just one way, just to make sure that you get it. And you don't have to do this. You can always wait till you make a mistake in Anki and then correct it. But it's just good as if you can do it easily and quickly. It's good as a fail safe. So you've shown the idea of mobile or mobile very well there several times make a movie for uh dan as in to undertake to under to undertake something uh a reshoot oh she's got a reshoot here so i've got an edit to the previous movie scene donald trump was looking to add another entertainment entity to his trump media group of companies and was eyeing the wwe to balance things out after acquiring the rights to Miss Universe. WWE wasn't too thrilled about it and dared Donald Trump to a cockfight because Dan, the right side component, represents a, a cockerel or a rooster in front of my anatomy lab, that's the set. Donald Trump hesitated to undertake such a big task but reluctantly agreed, acting skills, right? The WWE was presented by The Undertaker and he would be representing the meaning of this character. A crowd gathered around the pit, some fans wearing giant foam fingers. That represents the finger com or the hand component. The Undertaker's rooster performed the tombstone pile driver and won the fight. Brilliant. Another brilliant scene. Yeah, like uh, everything ticked off all the boxes and very creative. Uh, another one from Ija. Make a movie for T, t as in uh problem or uh, question uh on oh, no, a topic really i guess would be eh, it's got a few different things shake shakespeare looking annoyed wasn't oh shakespeare would be the sh and which means to be right to be or not to be that'd be the sh prop shakespeare was looking annoyed wasn't too happy with tina's pencil question what this is actually the title 
this this scene was so good before this is a re relating to an older scene that i actually named the last podcast after that um so it's reference to that scene shakespeare looking to annoyed wasn't too happy with tina's pencil question and asked her to stick to the topic that's the, the meaning keyword meaning of the english of english literature as written on the banner behind him now written words don't really work that's why we need these memory palaces but he, he can be pointing to it and with the context even if you forget what's written there or it blurs you'll get what's written there tina then ex or it doesn't really matter to be honest as long as the body language is there tina then explained to shakespeare that written words have gone out of fashion and people nowadays are communicating in pictographs instead she then ripped out a page from her notebook and drew him some emojis to prove her point and you could actually Again, 2D objects and images, I, I'm always avert, uh, I have quite an aversion to them. It works for some people, it doesn't work for me and a few people. So, but yeah, she's got like emojis of bees and question marks here. So you can actually have the emojis maybe pop up as 3D and she shows him, you know, or even she doesn't, even, you know, that works absolutely fine. And by the way, the notebook is the, yeah, the right side component. Brilliant, works really well. All right, that's all for the movies. Got a lot of great movies. Thank you guys very much for that. And we're going to jump straight into our, well, we've actually only got one pronunciation question this week. It's about third tone. So it's from Mike Roberts on nasal final ING uh, for qing, qing zuo, and qing jin. So qing means please. It's like an invitation to do something. He says, or he asks, how common is qing spoken as a second tone as an inv invitation? I've always heard it pronounced as third tone, and all of my dictionaries give it as third tone. Yeah, it is third tone, right. Um, the only possible exception in the dictionaries is qing tie or qing jian, which are very rarely spoken or um, that uses a, um, an actual invitation, like a wedding invitation or something, um, where the two third tones are in sequence. Is this an informal or shorthand way of saying that or is it a dialect? So there's no real, I don't think anyone's doing anything on purpose there. So like make sure that Qing is always said in a third tone. Um, and with third tone being together, it doesn't matter if they're a compound word or they're separate words. The third tone still applies. The third tone rule still applies. Um, it's nothing to do with dialects as far as I know. Um, yeah. Uh, so I think, yeah, the third tone rule applies throughout everything. It doesn't really, it's not really as far again as far as i know i'm not like uh i'm not like a, a chinese scholar right but I, I know this stuff pretty well and um, i'm pretty sure it's just third tone rule it, it doesn't matter what the character is but i mean i like i like very much how how deep you're looking into this stuff which it's usually a sign for me that you're going to do really well with this um next we just have some you know miscellaneous questions that we can't really p categorize in any way so let's, let's address those now. So we've got Abigail uh, on new vocabulary unlocked for Bai, And she says, what does zhi mean in the sentence above? And I've just pasted the sentence there. It says, 桌子上有几百只虫子。桌子上有几百只虫子。There uh, yeah. <laughs> you go, sorry. Um, the table, on the table there are uh, several hundred insects or are there hundreds of bugs on the table so what does the zhi do here well we this is i can understand how this would be confusing because we don't include zhi as a top-down word maybe we should because you've already learned the character for 
the same character, but it, when it, we use the keyword for only, pronunciation is zhi, third tone. But it's, all, it's a doyin zi, it means it has several different pronunciations, or at least, at least two different pronunciations in different contexts. And this is a separate pronunciation. It's used as a measure word for small animals. Zhi chongzi, zhi wenzi, like yi zhi wenzi, like a mosquito, or yi zhi mao, a cat, yi zhi gou, a dog, things like that. So I can understand how you'd be confused there, but yeah, it's uh, it just means it's just a measure word for small animals. Uh, so sorry we didn't put that as a top-down word. I can I can maybe add that after the uh, the podcast. Uh, William Edmides on new vocabulary unlocked. Gurga. What's the difference between gurga and xiong? Sorry, gurga and xiong. Um, so I've had too much coffee today. My uh, <laughs> pronunciation is a bit off. What's the difference between Gurga and Xiong. Well, Gurga is spoken. Xiong is never spoken, and it's never even written really. Xiong means brother, but it doesn't. It's never used. He's my Xiong. You don't say that. Uh, if you're going to just say Xiong by itself, people would think you meant Xiong is in chest or breast, right? So it's uh, Gurga is always the spoken and written version. But but this is where people get confused because brother, the general term for brother or bro, you know, between friends, is shungdi, older brother, little brother. <laughs> and you can say, and this is where it gets further confusing because you can say the second character, di, means little brother, but you can say di di, di di, as in little brother. That's the real word for little brother, um, or just di is, you know, in certain contexts. But shungdi, you don't say shung shung, doesn't mean anything, right? So it's just kind of one of those, you know, Chinese, the Chinese language compared to other languages, amazingly, incredibly consistent over thousands of years or at least hundreds of years. But it's still got things where, you know, certain characters lose their meaning and aren't used in certain ways anymore. It just happens. So I can understand how you get confused. But yeah, Gurga is older brother. Xiong is technically older brother as well, but just in meaning only. It's never used in that way to say as, as a word, a standalone word meaning older brother. It's only used in the context of Shungdi or Shungdi I hope that's clear enough. Uh, Kai on new vocabulary unlocked. Buguo. Now this is a great question. This is a common question we get. This is a question that I used to ask a lot because when you start really getting into Chinese, I'll, I'll say it in a minute. But when you start really getting into Chinese, you notice there's a lot of words that you're learning, especially if you're learning in a bad way. You're learning in a way that's you know, the way I started off with and, and Phil as well, where you're just learning a word and you have a single definition and that's how you learn it. So, for example, Kai's question is on the vocabulary word buguo, which means but, right? That's the, okay, this means but, buguo equals but. But there's also another word, dan shi, which also just means but, right? That's all they say, they just say but, but. And then, of course, you've got another one, which is ke shi, which is a very common one as well. Which also means but. So you got but, but, but. And you're like, well, and I see them used in different contexts, and blah, blah, but what's the actual difference? And it gets frustrating because you see this a lot as well. And H once you get to like HSK 5, 6, even 4, you're starting to like, okay, well, I've got like three words that technically mean the same thing. When do I use them? And people, and, you know, people that aren't on the Mandarin Blueprint method, they don't know because they don't know, they don't realize that they don't have someone always harping on about uh, input, input, context, context which is the, the way to solve this problem, by the way. And before I give you the answer, I just want to say that 
um, having people point out these things is absolutely fine. And it, it, like learning grammar rules sometimes can help because it, it elevates your understanding or it elevates your ability to notice it in context. But at the end of the day, noticing it in context and reading it and consuming in both like reading and listening is the only real way to get the difference and subtle differences between these words in the long run, you know. But I'll, I'll point I'll point these things out. So um, just instinctively, dan shi is more forceful. Dan shi and, but they're all pretty much inter interchangeable, I will say this. So dan shi and ke shi, especially, these two. Dan shi, ke shi. Uh, is much softer way of saying but, okay. Um, but dan shi for me is the strongest of the three. It's just like, dan shi. Uh, and it's also used in, there's also tons of other little differences, which it's not going to be very useful for me to point them all out right now, but I can point out a couple. So, uh, for example, dan shi is used often in, uh, more often in like conjunctions with sui ran, sui ran, which means although. So you say, sui ran, something, 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 although, dan shi, you know, and that's, that's like a, an actual structure that is very common, I guess. But you can also use kushu with that as well. Sui ran kushu, you know, but that's not as common. And ke, uh, uh, dan, dan shi can be shortened to dan. Um, and I've been told that you can shorten ke shi to ke, but I've never, I've never seen it use, like shortened to ke and still used to mean but. Ke mean, it's always, <laughs> this gets confusing, right? Because ke shi can also mean, uh, it can also mean, um, it's like an accentuating how much or how crazy or how, how big or, or how, you know, it, it, it's an accentuating thing. It exaggerates the meaning of an adjective. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's better for you to just keep looking at context. But just know this is sort of a general rule that you can apply immediately. Bugo uh, is the softest, and dan shi and ke shi are heavier, and dan shi is the heaviest. There you go. So you can think, think about like dan shi is like a daddy, uh, papa bear, you know, ke um, shi is mama bear, and bugo is baby bear. <laughs> That seems to work. That'll be enough for you for now, I reckon. Matt Wilson on uh, bonus language learning tripod attentiveness. How many times should we practice Anki flashcards before moving on to the next pronunciation unit? Flashcards for two and three were given even though we haven't touched unit three yet. I'm worried about doing too much too fast. Well, that's down to you. You know, we, we, you have the ability to set how many new cards you want a day. Um, but I would say only, only like set it to 20 or 30 new cards a day and you just only do the ones that you actually cover in the material of the pronunciation mastery course. And then if say you, you still have like 12 new cards left over, don't review them because don't look at them because you haven't covered the lesson material yet, you know? Or maybe review the first one to see what it is. And say, oh no, I haven't seen that yet. So I'll, I'll wait until I watch the next videos before reviewing it. Um, and if you like, yeah, you can follow that and just go ahead and go to all the level reviews in, in the course and just download, or the, the unit wrap-ups rather, download all the Anki decks and uh, just put them all in and then just work your way through. It's a, it's a relatively short course. There are a thousand cards, but um, only like, I believe, four or five hundred unique cards. So, And if you're yeah, worried about doing too much too fast, I mean fine you know I, I get that definitely um try and go at your own pace don't watch don't just don't watch too many videos then you know um and don't watch the bonus videos you know just smash through the main content that's you know which is about five and six hours about six hours 
and we've got an hour and a half or maybe two hours of bonus content. So just go through all the main main content and then work through the bonus later if you know once you've because that's that's the key bit, right? So you want to get you good enough so you can move on to the uh, the stuff in the Mandarin Blueprint method, the real the real juicy stuff. Anyway, that's that's my suggestion. Uh, Garth Greski, I sorry mate, I don't know how to pronounce this bit. It's, uh, Greski, I'm just going to say Grescu or Greski. This guy has been giving us some great, really funny comments, man. Um, uh, very, very good, actually. Um, very entertaining for me. He's uh, on bonus four components of habit building. He says, love the pentatonic uh, scale in the background music. Reminder of shared scales of music, humanity with Chinese culture. See, that's the sort of comments we get from him. They're great. Uh, power of Chinese characters. He says, brilliant lesson. They're always positive. I don't always get his comments, to be honest, but they're always positive and um, mainly uh, motivating and helpful for the most part, uh, which is great. Um, brilliant lesson, finding exactly the right words or characters for learning this poetry or logic called Chinese. And that's what these sort of characters, you'll find these sort of Chinese character videos. We did them in the Pronunciation Mastery uh, course, a few of them. We did a bunch of them on the Shanghaiist uh, as like an advertising campaign way back in the day. And I, I want to do more of these uh, but when we get when we get the time because anal analyzing the character and all the different ways it's used in by using the word like giving examples of the words it's used in and when Ming is a way of doing looking at that. So check that out on the pronunciation mastery course, the um, the bonus, the power of Chinese character videos. They're quite cool. Um, another one from Garth. <laughs> Uh, this, is, this is obviously my favorite one. Uh, Luke is very witty. Good to have teachers with Chinese savoir-faire, a strong sense of balance with happiness and cool, <laughs> and with complex philosophical thoughts grounded in ancient characters, communicable to the average Westerner. Wow, man, you write like you've got a very high IQ. <laughs> I don't just mean that because you're complimenting me. Um, but yeah, keep it up, man. It's good to hear from you. The next comment we have here is from Ernesto Provencio <clears throat> on nasal final Wang or Wang or Shuang. He says, yes, X-rated vocabulary, please. Haha, <laughs> would find a course on <clears throat> current modern day phrases, dirty words and old school maxims. Very interesting. Not quite sure what you mean by old school maxims. There's maybe like just common phrases that are very traditional and old. Those three categories there, modern day phrases, dirty words, old school maxims, they're very different. Um, dirty words, for example, I, I would not suggest, like I would just, I would, like I very rarely use dirty words in Chinese and it's good to know them, I suppose. So you know, but you'll, you'll pick them up, trust me, anyway, if you speak to Chinese people. Um, but using them, nah, I wouldn't really suggest that, I mean, I was trying to think, just reading this, like when's the last time I actually swore in Chinese? And the, the time I remember was actually fairly recently, but apart from that, I yeah, apart from joking around with my wife, I, I can't think of any any ways uh, of actually, I'd actually use it. Like the, the time I used it, just out of interest, if you're interested, would be, uh, there's this guy that lives near me and he's got this horrible like mangy dog that he has. And it, <clears throat> I've got two very nice, very sweet, fairly well-trained dogs, right? And I ended up walking past, I've walked past them and the dog just comes out and bites them. And it's really irritating. 
and uh, I've actually had to push the dog away a couple of times. I said, the next time the dog do, does that, I'm gonna have to defend my dogs, right? I have to kick your dog or something. And they're like, do it, do it, kick my dog. I don't care, I don't care about this dog. They just let it run around and stuff. Don't bathe it, or don't train it, it's just, it's not good. So basically I walked past this guy, I wasn't really thinking, I was talking to someone on the phone and I, I forgot, I'm not supposed to, I, I didn't wanna walk past his thing, his place usually. And the dog just comes out and immediately bites my dog, like, for, like and the dog's legs like bleeding. And I have to, I really push this dog away. I, 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 I can't kick a dog, it's very, I really wanted to, but I just can't bring myself to do it. And I just push this dog away again. And he's like, he comes running out and he says, why are you kicking my dog? And I'm just like, you don't own this street, man. And uh, he, this guy's like 45 and he's like half my height and he's getting in my face and he's sh shouting at me. And I'm like, how old are you? I started like just started looking down at this guy, like how old are you? What are you doing right now? Control your animals, you know, just the usual adult stuff. And he started saying this horrible like Sichuan uh, swearing at me. So I just fought out and I, it was like in the evening, usually in the evening, my Chinese kind of sucks and I'm tired and I had a long day. But I tell you what, the, the, the anger and emotion that I felt, it just brought my Chinese up to another level. And I just, I, I started saying all these swear words that I didn't even know I knew. <laughs> I was just saying it perfectly. And this guy was just like, he, he didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. And I just like, I, I left. That's my version of the story anyway. Um, I'm sure he's got a very different version, but <laughs> that's like a one-off thing like that. And it wasn't a good idea, by the way. That's not a good idea to try and get in a conflict with someone like that. Um, it's, it's, it's very bad. But uh, yeah, learning Chinese uh, dirty words, usually just gonna get you in trouble, mate. That's all. Um, modern day phrases, maybe they changed way too often for me. They, modern phrases, they change way too often to be long, useful in the long term, in my opinion, um, especially like, you know, internet slang and all this. And yeah, old school, old school maxims, if that's what I think it means, that's more the, the thing you want to try using, like uh, idioms and things, or just uh, it's like things that, phrases that are used. Um, but yeah, that would be the most useful bit of that. Uh, Clayton Lee on making a movie for ma, as in like the question mark, basically. If I can memorize the word or it comes intuitively to me, is there any value to using the method to create a movie for it? And I would say this, we've covered this a few times, because people that start using the course, often they're not beginner, complete beginner, and they, they, they know like, you know, 100 characters or even a few hundred characters, but sort of know them. Um, and I always say the same thing, which is, do you know the meaning? Can you write it? Do you know the tone? And do you ever make mistakes with it? Like you never make mistakes with the tone of the character. If you know all these three things, that's, you, that means you know that character to the level of a Chinese person and you can just skip the movie. Still make a prop for it if it's necessary, like for the for future characters. But if you know how to write it, you know how to pronounce it accurately and easily, um, and you can recognize it and you know what the meaning is, or at least the main meaning or one of the main meanings, fine, just skip it. You don't need to worry about it. But if any of those, you don't know any of those things that I just listed, still go and make the movie for it. A lot, the most common one is of course tone. People don't know, they're always forgetting the tones of the characters, they usually just guess. It's not good enough. And it won't take you long if you already have a foundation to smash through, make a quick scene for it, put them in your bathroom or your, your front yard or wherever it is, and then move on. Uh, and he does just say, the same person says, uh, another comment for the same character, 
I had learned this character many years ago. I went to a few Chinese. Oh, this is obviously previous to that. However, I had trouble remembering the tone when I when practicing with Anki flashcards. So I did end up using the method. Now I have a quicker re <laughs> now I have a quicker recall of the tone. Thanks for your quick reply. Well, there you go. Okay, so you just I must have uh, or one of us uh, must have answered him with exactly what I said, and he's went and made the learned the character using the method, and now he remembers the tone. There you go. Brilliant. Uh, next one for uh, from Linnell Glover on Cheng Shi. Uh, this is based on a question that she asked previously that I answered on the, uh, a recent podcast. So this is a story that you can unlock, and Linnell's doing fantastically. She's um, she's actually uh, got to the point where she's reading entire stories in Chinese, which is much further on in the course, um, but it's within reach of all of you if you're just starting or you haven't started yet. Within a few weeks, if you work hard enough. And uh, I just remember complimenting her, her on how basically she she got like 90% understanding of, the, of the, an entire paragraph in Chinese, but she just didn't quite get that last 10% and um, I helped her out there. So she says, hi Luke, thanks so much for addressing my question in your podcast. How personal is that? Exactly, right? Yeah, I get it now. Like you said, repeated exposure to this structure in an understandable context is the way to go. That's obviously what I said to her. I was like, you're going to get this much easier if you keep reading and keep reading and listening, of course, to the content. And it's always difficult in the beginning, no matter how smart you are or whatever it is. It's always difficult for, to go from remembering individual characters to reading entire things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a growing phase for everybody. She says, I'm approaching the end of the course in terms of the stories available. How are things going in terms of completing the next stage? Maybe you've answered this question somewhere else on the website, but I haven't come across it. Many thanks. And again, this goes back to uh, you know the character expansion, not just the characters, but also everything else that's come, that comes with that. And we are really working hard on it. I'd say within, I think two months ago, I said within six months, I believe. So within four months, you can expect an expansion. And we're going for double the amount that we have now. So at least 1,200 characters we'll be able to cover after that. Now, in terms of the write, the written material that goes with that, um, it's, you know, that's, that takes a while. But the cool thing is, now that our writers, uh, especially Annie, but we're going to have other, write other writers that are going to come in, they've got so much more vocabulary to work with now, you know, because we've got another 600 characters and all the words that go with that, that it's going to be much easier for us to create written content. And the written content, the stories, the paragraphs, the opinions, the dialogues, they're going to become more and more and more. So, that's, yeah. so and it's going to be easy. So I wouldn't say we're going to have all of those as well expanded, but we'll definitely have the characters expanded and the words along with them um, within four months, definitely. Deborah Jansen on Ankydex Inside Level 12 Complete. This is for the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. I'm very happy to have reached level 12 and have enjoyed the course thoroughly. Brilliant. I found in analyzing along the way uh, my approach to movie making that I was really struggling with fictional characters. So I tossed them out completely and created animal characters, which worked so much better for me. Most of my sets are in Africa. So Mr. Buffalo, B-U, and Mr. Hyena, <laughs> Hyena, H-U, just made for more memorable movies. It increased my progress immensely. All this is to say that a solid process, which your course certainly is, allows nicely for tweaking to fit individual needs. Oh, it's like music to my ears. Brilliant. 
Many thanks, and I look forward to the next levels. Well done, Deborah. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for the uh, the kind words there. And yeah, you're gonna do, you're just gonna find it better and better as you progress. I can see that. And we've got one final comment here for today, which is from Sydney Green on make a movie for uh, short to receive. And he says, loving the challenge of no English translations in level 26. Really stretches the mind and gives a real sense of really being able to read Chinese at last. And that's a great way to finish off today's podcast because that's the whole goal of Mandarin Blueprint, the, the Mandarin Blueprint method and Mandarin Blueprint in general, which is to get you reading and understanding Chinese as quickly as possible, get you over that hump, which is a big hump in Chinese. And, we're, and we've made it a, a tiny little hump, hopefully. And it's going to keep getting smaller and smaller and easier and easier. And uh, Sydney's in a great position, as long, along with Deborah as well, I can see. Uh, and of course, Linnell as well. People like at that level that have got more than, say, halfway through the course. You're really starting to discover going from that, that breakthrough period. You, got, you start going from, you know, individual uh, words, characters, maybe short phrases and sentences to reading entire paragraphs. And it's so satisfying. It's so cool. And um, any of you listening that are just starting out with the, the method or you're listening to this and you, you haven't, you're thinking about trying it out or you want to learn Chinese and you stumbled across it, give it a shot because um, I don't really, I don't know anything else that's better out there for getting over that first part of Chinese and beyond uh, in a quick, easy and fun way. So um, anyway, that's it for today. Um, thank you very much for listening. It was quite a long one today, actually, wasn't it? And you know, I really enjoy going through these comments. Keep it up with the with sharing, and um, even if it's not to share to create content, if it's just to ask a question, or you can always email us at contact at mandarinblueprint.com and just comment on the actual course itself. And of course, if you've got anything directly about the podcast, email us at podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. So I'll see you maybe next week.